Well, thank you for that, Brother Blake. And uh, okay, so have you ever faced something that you greatly feared? Uh, I'm going to tell you about two times that I faced something that I was greatly afraid of, but before I do that, let's see if anybody commented on something that they were afraid of. So, Brother Blake, do you have any comments yet on that? You don't. Okay, nobody is afraid of anything. Awesome. You have one? Who, who is it? Snakes. Three separate people said snakes. Okay. So that is a legitimate fear. Yes. Anybody else? Anything else? Someone said cancer. Cancer. That's something that I suppose I would be afraid of. Absolutely. Yes. Noah says spiders. Spiders. So I got bit by a black widow when I was in first grade. Um, and that's a funny story I will have to share with you at some point down the road. Uh, but uh, yes, spiders. He's afraid of being afraid. That's phobophobia. I think we learned during the, uh, isn't that the one that we learned during the children's video last week? Phobophobia. All right. Any others? Spiders and snakes are a popular one. Okay. Public speaking. Yes, I have been there. Uh, Fun fact about me. I actually took, uh, in high school, I took three years of drama, not because I wanted to be an actor, but because I wanted to overcome the fear of public speaking, because I was so deathly afraid of it, and I thought that's one way to get over it. Uh, Not being able to provide for family. Okay, not being able to provide for family, that's a legitimate fear, absolutely. Any others? Okay. Afraid of my son, Seth? Yes, I am too. No, no one's put that. I just decided to throw that out there. Okay. Okay, well, let me tell you about a couple uh, fears that I had when I was younger. Um, When I was younger, I was greatly afraid of drops on roller coasters. And so when I was a young teenager, there was one roller coaster that scared me to death. Now, I lived in California, and in Southern California, there's an amusement park called Six Flags Magic Mountain, it's in uh, Valencia. There was one roller coaster that all my friends rode that tried to get me to ride, and I was deathly afraid of it. It was called Colossus. I have a little video clip of a portion of that ride, and you'll see maybe why I was deathly afraid of Colossus. We'll go ahead and show that at this time. right after the title there, Brother Jacob. It won't play? So you can see this is like a never-ending going up scenario, and as you know, what goes up,
there you go. You can maybe see why I was a little bit afraid of that ride. Um, so I was greatly afraid of roller coasters, particularly Colossus, uh, but I made it past it. I, I, uh, I, I faced my fear uh, when I was an older teenager, and I went on it, and uh, I, I made it past it. Well, then there, um, more recently, though, there's something that, that, that scared me a lot was uh, my ordination. And uh, that took place in September of 2018, so about a year and a half ago, I was ordained just really two weeks before I moved here to Oklahoma. This was something that uh, I had seen others uh, get ordained for the gospel ministry, um, but I was just afraid, I was afraid of it, <laughs> just to be honest. And uh, to, to, to sit before uh, seasoned ministers and to uh, be able to articulate what I believe doctrinally just kind of scared me to death. But uh, I really, when, when the day came, I faced that fear, and actually it was one of the, one of the greater days of my life. And uh, Brother Randy and Miss Robin uh, were so gracious to fly up and uh, participate in that event, and I just thank them for being there. That did actually help me tremendously uh, to have them there and to encourage me uh, with that day. Um, but uh, two things I was super afraid of were roller coasters and being ordained, but I faced both of them. And uh, so for those of you who were scared of snakes and spiders, uh, we got to see what we can do about helping you face those fears and uh, to get you past those. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't want to make you do that. But uh, I imagine that all of us have faced some scary things in our lives as well. Now, David, who, who is the human author of Psalm 27, um, knew what it was like to face fearful things. Um, he, you just kind of name, name a section of his life, and, and no doubt he experienced some fearful things. Okay, he was a shepherd boy. When, what did he, when did he face fearful things there? Well, he faced a bear and a lion during the days when he was a shepherd. Uh, those were scary situations, no doubt. Uh, okay, well, then he faces Goliath. That definitely was a scary situation. I mean, the whole army of Israel was afraid to go against this giant, but not David. Um, he was uh, confident in his Lord. But then after that, then he goes and has to run for his life after he realizes that Saul is, is after him because of tremendous envy and jealousy. Well, then he becomes king, and then now Absalom, his son, uh, tries to overtake David's throne and steals the heart of Israel. And, and now David and his men are now running for their lives again in his older age. So he knew what it was like to face fearful things. Now... As I was doing studying for Psalm 27, I, I came across a commentator and I really liked what he had to say about this because he said this really could have been a prophetical uh, passage, a prophetical psalm that pointed to the life of Christ when he faced the oncoming mob of enemies in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you remember Jesus there being in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and Judas comes with the whole mob of enemies... And uh, Judas places that kiss of betrayal upon the cheek of Jesus Christ, and Jesus calls him friend at that point. Pretty amazing. Uh, but that time when Jesus was about to be taken into trial and ultimately crucified, uh, as he was facing that, uh, this could have been 
And certainly as we go through this psalm, you can see a lot of that. But we're going to kind of stay a little bit more with David today. Uh, because David dealt with fearful things, but instead, in most cases, he chose faith over fear. We don't know exactly which situation David was facing when he penned Psalm 27, but it was uh, a fearful thing at, in one aspect or another. Uh, but it was one of several possibilities, and, and he chose faith over fear. And we're going to learn maybe how we can uh, choose faith over fear as we're going through scary situations. And certainly what we're going through right now in our history can be considered scary. As you look at uh, the future of uh, the economy, that could seem scary. Uh, maybe even the future of when, when our whole community opens up again. I mean, what's going to happen with everybody's health? Uh, what, if it, what if we don't get back together? What if we have to keep being quarantined after a few more weeks? They go back to ground zero. What if? And so it can be a scary situation. How can we overcome that? Uh, how can we overcome that fear with faith? Well, first of all, uh, I want you guys to notice this evening in this passage, David's confidence. David's confidence. And it's found in verse number, verses number one through three, where he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, by the way, he doesn't say if the wicked, he says when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. And of course, going back to the life of Christ or fast forwarding to the life of Christ, as the mob comes and approaches Jesus, if you recall that, he says, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And then the Bible says in the book of John, he said, I am he. And when he said, I am he, they immediately fell down backwards. And so this is, that's a prophetical uh, reference to that, I, I believe. Uh, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes come, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. I think that's a reference to uh, that scene there in Gethsemane when he said, I am he, and they fell down backwards. But, but here David again is saying, Verse number three, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And what was he confident in? Was he confident in himself? No, I would say he was confident in his Lord. He was confident in his Lord. Uh, now the Lord is and was in David's life the source of light. He said in verse number one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light. Now, when times of darkness come and when I cannot see clearly, my confidence is in the Lord and he will see me through. This, for many people, is a time of darkness in our history where we don't really know what tomorrow holds. And by the way, we've never known what tomorrow holds, but we really understand that now uh, better than we've ever understood it. And so many of us are in darkness, not knowing exactly uh, what's going to happen in the future. But I'm telling you, the Lord is the source of light in my life, and I can trust Him because He's going to see me through whatever I go through. Remember what the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so the word 
is the Word of God, but also Jesus is the Word. He's the Word of God. And so the Lord is the source of my light in my life. He also is my salvation. He's the source of light, and He's also my salvation. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? David said, look, my confidence is in God. I really have nothing to be afraid of. Not even Colossus. Not even getting ordained. <laughs> I can have confidence and I don't have to fear because the Lord is my, light, uh, my salvation. Now, by the way, all of us have a lot of needs. right? We have the need to breathe. We have the need to eat. We have the need to... Um, we have a lot of needs, but the greatest need of the, that all of us have is the need of a Savior, the need of salvation. That was the greatest need that all of us had. That was a need that I couldn't meet. That was a need that you couldn't meet. That was, only, that was a need that only Jesus could meet, and he met the greatest need of our lives. And look, friend, if the Lord can take care of my greatest need, he can and will take care of my other needs, and I don't have to fear about those other minor situations. And I would say, and God would say, that what we have to deal with in this situation is minor compared to the forgiveness of sins and, and uh, eternal life. That was our greatest need, and the Lord easily met that. And if the Lord can easily meet the greatest need, He can meet all the other needs that we'll face in our lives as well. So the Lord is the source of light in my life. He is my salvation. And then in verse 1, we also see that He is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David said, look, I understand who my God is. He is my source of light, my salvation, and my strength. You see, in my weakness, He is made strong. Like all of us, this has kind of brought all of us to a point of Hey, look, we're not in control. Hey, look, we're not as strong as we thought we were. Hey, uh, I need the Lord in my life. This has made us realize how weak maybe we really are. Not maybe, we are weak. I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote that book, and, and he had a thorn in the flesh, and it buffeted him, Paul said. And so he besought the Lord that the Lord would remove that thorn from his life. And he, he asked him three different times. But instead of removing that thorn, the Lord said to Paul, he said, My grace, Paul, is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so after the Lord told him that, here's what Paul's reaction was. Well, then... Uh, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses. I think we would all consider what we're going through a time of distress. Paul said, I take pleasure in time... In times of distress, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Not through him, not through Paul, but through Christ who dwelt in him. And you know, <clears throat> as we go through this time, I'm thankful for the fact that the Lord is the strength of our life. 
And when we realize how weak we are, and I think this has made us realize how weak we are, how much we need him, then his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So David chose faith over, here, over fear. Why? Because his confidence wasn't in himself, but in his God. And then in, the, in verse number, I like, I like verses 2 and 3, he says, When the wicked, even mine enemies, come, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. He said, it doesn't really matter what happens around me. It doesn't matter my circumstances, because my confidence isn't in my circumstances. My confidence is in my Lord. Where is your confidence this evening? Are you uh, placing your confidence in circumstances, and when things are going well, then you're happy and joyful? Or are, is your confidence in the Lord, and it doesn't really matter what happens around you? Because you know the Lord is going to see you through. So he chose faith over fear because he had confidence. But then I want us to see, secondly tonight, his craving. His craving. In verse number four, he said, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after. And here's what it was. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Evidently, this was a time in David's life where he wasn't able to be near the temple to worship the Lord. Evidently, this was a time when he wasn't able to be in a place where he can worship the Lord. And maybe uh, you're feeling like that, like maybe I am. Now, I get to be here, but I honestly, it's not the same without you here. And so I'm looking forward to all of us being back together, and, and I am desiring what David did, that we would uh, dwell in the house of the Lord once again. Um, but, but here he has a craving that he would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When I think about the word craving here, I, I think back to when uh, Julie, my wife, was pregnant with our first son, Seth. And uh, you've heard the stories of pregnant women uh, having strange cravings. Well, uh, my wife was not exempt from that. Now, this wasn't a strange one in that it just, it just kind of hit at a bad time. Um, now, here's one thing that was kind of crazy about her cravings. It, it, it almost was more of what she didn't like than what she did like. So what she didn't like during that time was, was meat. Uh, she didn't like steak hamburgers, nothing like that. It just kind of made her sick to the stomach to even think about meat. Well, that was a problem for me because <laughs> I'm a meatitarian. Um, and so I need meat. And so I'd have to sneak off and go and get my own hamburger and my own steaks and stuff and eat them on my own. But then I'll never forget one Monday night in September, I was uh, working and looking forward to going home and watching the first Monday night football game of the season. And I was looking forward to it. My team wasn't playing, but that didn't matter. I just was excited about football uh, being back on and looking forward to watching that first game. Well, we were driving home together. My wife was working with me at the time, and, and uh, we were driving home, and I said, hey, I'm thinking about going home and watching that or going somewhere where we can watch the Monday night football game. And she was like, oh, Really? I was really thinking about going to Marie Callender's and having creamy potato soup. They have this really good creamy potato soup, and I really need to have it right now because I am pregnant after all. 
And so she put that pregnant guilt trip on me, and I was like, okay. And so guess where I ended up that night? Yes, at Marie Callender's, eating potato soup. And uh, we get there, she's like, well, this isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And I'm like, ah, I missed my game for your potato soup, and you don't even like it. Ah! Anyway, craving. Um, But when a pregnant lady has a craving, you forgo your football, okay? That's what you do, and that's what I did. And uh, anyway, that's what I think about with craving. Now, now what is it that you desire during this time? What is it that you crave during this time? Is it for life to be back to normal again? Is it for your 401k to be back to where it was before all of this craziness? What is it that you desire and crave during this time? You know, David, he, he craved a little bit of normalcy. He said, I want to dwell back in the house of the Lord again. But ultimately, what he craved was the Lord. He desired the Lord. In verse number four, at the end of that verse, he says, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to see him for who he is. I want to learn about him. <coughs> Excuse me. I want, to, I want to be close to him, and I want to... I want to get so close that I can see his beauty. What is it that you desire during this time? What is it that you crave? I hope that you desire the Lord during this time more than anything else. Sure, I know all of us want life to get back to normal again. I do too. But what we need to be desiring this during this time is the Lord. Uh, Psalm 40 and verse number 42, verse number 1 says, As the heart... Panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You see, he had a desire for God. He had a desire for the Lord. He craved to know the Lord and to be close to him. And so we see his craving. I want us to see, thirdly, this evening, his commitment. In verse number five, for in the time of trouble... Listen to some of these promises. Listen to some of the things that David was banking on here as he was going to face all of these enemies. Verse number five, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Here's the promise of protection here. He's going to hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me and he shall set me upon a rock. Verse 6, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. He said, there's some tremendous promises here for my protection and my provision. And here's the commitment there at the end of verse number 6. Therefore, because of all of these promises, God, I am promising I am going to offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. And because he was focused on the promises of God, it caused him to make a commitment that he is going to praise the Lord. He is going to shout for joy uh, in the tabernacle, the sacrifices of joy. Here's what one commentator said. And if you have a Bible that has like a middle uh, column that maybe will help uh, you understand a little bit better, in, uh, in my Bible, it says, uh, in the middle column here, it says, uh, or in the margin, for verse number six, it says joy, which means in the Hebrew, shouting. 
So he said here, sacrifices of shouting slash joy, joyful shouts. It's okay to shout for joy. Uh, and when you understand all of the promises that God has for us, it should cause us to shout for joy. It should cause us to praise the Lord. Um, I'll never forget uh, on uh, Thanksgiving morning, uh, about three years ago, my brother-in-law and I went to the mountains of Montana looking for a deer for me. I had a deer tag and I needed to fill it. And I'd never gotten a deer before and after a whole bunch of hiking, too much hiking, we finally saw the rainbow buck. And it's a long story, I won't go into it tonight, but uh, he came into my sights and he actually was running toward me. Well, I ended up pulling the trigger, and I got him the first shot. And uh, he ran about, uh, oh, a couple hundred yards and, and fell over. And, and my brother-in-law and I were shouting for joy because the Lord had provided a rainbow buck for me. He came out of a, there was a rainbow in the distance. I'm going to tell a little bit of the story. Okay, there was a rainbow in the distance, and, and this buck comes out of that rainbow over this ridge right toward us. It was amazing. And so I got my first deer. But in that moment of provision, we began to shout for joy. It's a good, natural, healthy, spiritual thing to do, to shout for joy. And David said, when I, my mind is focused on God and His Word and His promises, I'm going to shout for joy, and then I'm going to sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. I want to encourage us to have that same commitment as we go through this season because, look, God's promises haven't changed in spite of all that has been changing in our society and circumstances. God's promises haven't changed. And so you can still, and I can still, uh, shout for joy and, and sing praises unto Him. In fact, this is the time that it's most important to sing unto Him. This is when God wants to hear you sing. Uh, when uh, things aren't going well, when things aren't... Uh, the circumstances aren't ideal. This is when he wants to hear you sing. So he made a commitment there in verse number six that he was going to shout for joy based on God and his promises. But then I want us to see number four here as we go down through this psalm, verses seven through 12, we see his cry. We see David here go into go from praise to prayer. And uh, he shifts his uh, attention now back to the Lord and says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Notice here when he says, and answer me. Uh, have you ever sent a text message or an email to someone hoping and really curious as to what their response is going to be? And you're waiting and waiting for them to respond and you're like, Man, did they get that? Did it really go through? I, I wonder if I should send them another email to make sure that, that maybe I should follow up and make sure they got it. Uh, maybe they didn't see the text message. Maybe I should text them again because uh, I'm waiting for a reply and it's kind of annoying that it's not coming because we expect a reply from a friend or, or someone we send a message to like that. Let me ask you, do you expect God to answer your prayers? Or are you praying just to pray? David said, I expect, Lord, you're going to answer me. 
I expect it. God wants us to expect him to answer. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3, he says, he invites us to call unto him. He says, call unto me and I will answer thee. So he promises that he's going to answer us. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But David said, I am expecting an answer. So when I'm praying, when I'm crying to the Lord, I'm expecting an answer. Verse number 8 says, when thou saidst, um, here's David talking to the Lord, and he says, when, you're, when you said, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. As I was studying this verse, and I, I realized that this verse really means a lot more in the King James than it does in a lot of other versions. Uh, once again, not to make a, a long, lengthy point about the King James, but the King James does include uh, the words ye and you, thee and thou. Those are actually important, distinctive words. Um, because he's saying here, when, when you, God, said, seek everyone my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. So the Lord's saying to everyone, to y'all, for those of us who are in Oklahoma, um, he, seek y'all my face. But my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. In other versions, it just says, seek my face. It, it's, it's losing a little bit of meaning with these other versions. But here, when David heard God say, seek ye my face, he didn't go, yeah, all y'all need to seek his face. Hey, how come all, all y'all aren't? Seeking his face. David took it personally and said, I'm not going to worry about what other people are doing. I'm going to make sure that my heart is seeking you. And, and I'm going to resolve in my life to seek you, Lord. And so David's saying in his prayer, Lord, when you're, when you're saying, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. He's making a personal choice to seek the Lord. Then verse number 9. He says, "Hide not thy face far uh, far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help." I, I like what he said there. Thou hast been my help. He was thinking back to the times when the Lord had saw him through different situations that he faced in his life and and boy, if we're all honest, we'll look back into our lives and see God's provision and and blessing in other situations that we faced. I imagine he, he may have been thinking about the times that he faced the lion and the bear with the sheep. Or maybe he thought about the time when uh, the Lord helped him when he faced Goliath. Or maybe about the time the Lord protected him when Saul was after him. I, I don't know what he was thinking about, but he could have been thinking about any one of those. And certainly in our lives, we can look back and see God's provision and blessing and protection in our lives as well. And he said... Lord, you've been my help. And then he says, leave me not, neither, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Now that leave me not, neither forsake me, is an Old Testament prayer. But it's not a New Testament prayer. Because Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said this, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we don't have to pray that because 
In the New Testament, God's Holy Spirit lives and resides within each of us, and He will never leave us nor forsake us no matter what. And then let's look in verse number 10. It says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Father and mother forsake me. This is hopefully not going to happen to any of the children that are watching today. That as the children grow up to honor and obey the Lord, mom and dad won't forsake you. But there have been many saints in the past who have gotten saved and decided to follow the Lord in their lives. And and mom and dad weren't saved and they didn't understand what these children were doing and these young people were doing. And and they end up forsaking them. This has happened many times. Well, in verse number 10, he says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. When, When the whole world turns your back on you, if you're following the Lord, guess what? The Lord won't turn his back on you. The Lord will take you up and bless you and care for you. And so verse number 11, it says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Teach me thy way. And in this, in this verse, it's evident to me that David was concerned and focused on God's way, not on his own way. A lot of us are, Lord, Help me with my way, please. Please bless my way. But David was, Lord, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. I want to follow you, Lord, and I want to do what you want. I want your way, not my own. Which way are you wanting to go? Are you wanting just to God to bless your way, or are you wanting to learn God's way and go in that path? David was focused on doing God's way. Verse 12, Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. So he was asking for some specific things for the Lord, and it's a good thing to ask for specific requests when you are praying. And so that's his cry. But then I want us to notice, lastly, this, this evening, his challenge. His challenge in verse number 13 I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And here's his challenge, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What's this challenge to all of us? What's his challenge to his readers, which is you and I tonight? His challenge is to be patient, to wait on the Lord, and to trust that the Lord's plan will be done in his way and in his timing. It may not be according to my way and may not be according to my timing, but it'll be according to his. So to be patient and to wait on the Lord, and that's repeated twice in that verse, wait on the Lord, and then at the end of it it says, wait, I say, on the Lord. But then also to be of good courage. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. President FDR said this, courage is not the absence of fear but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. Now, what else is more important than fear? Well, faith. Now, Brother Blake, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, has been doing a great job with our teenagers. And one of the things he's been doing is issuing several different challenges throughout this quarantine situation. 
Most recently, they were challenged to do uh, whatever the parent requested of them. That was, I think, uh, last week. They had to do whatever mom and dad said to do, they had to do it. It didn't matter how easy or hard it was, they had to do it. And so many of them did. They got to clean closets, garages, sand a bunch of stairs, uh, do the dishes, and uh, many other different things. Then uh, I think uh, Monday they got to do the water bottle flip challenge where they had to flip the water bottle so it lands uh, right side up five times in a row and they had to record a video of that and submit that in. Well, then today they had to bake or cook something for their family. And tonight Seth made something extremely complicated and uh, very, very intricate. He made top ramen for me. And so, uh, so these are some of the challenges that the teens have been uh, receiving. And uh, there was also one about posting uh, their daily devotionals, what they've been learning as they've been reading through their Bible. And uh, there's been some good challenges. Well, tonight, I, as the pastor, want to issue a challenge to each of our church family, each member of our church family, and that is this, to wait on the Lord and to be of good courage during this time. I want to issue the same challenge that David issued us in verse number 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Don't fret, don't panic. Choose faith over fear. Now, it's been said many times during this crazy event that faith over fear. Uh, Choose faith over fear, but it can happen, and it's a choice that each of us must make. In order to make this decision to have faith over fear, we need to have the right confidence, not in ourselves, but in our Lord. We need to have the right craving to desire God during this time. Not to desire just life back to normal only, but to desire to know God in a more intimate way as a result of this situation. To have the right confidence, the right craving, the right commitment that I'm going to choose during this time, to sing praises to the Lord and to shout for joy because of who God is and because of His unchanging promises. And then also having the right cry, having the time where we're praying to the Lord for specific things. And as we pray, uh, remembering the things we mentioned during that prayer. And then also by taking the right challenge, by waiting on the Lord and being of good courage. Choose faith over fear. I hope that you'll make that decision today, and I hope that you'll take the challenge to wait on the Lord and to be of good courage. Let's pray together.